alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Safina Society, nothing but facts live stream, where today we study the qisas al-awliya, the stories of the awliya. But first, I want to tell you something unique, something very simple for you to learn, and this is one of the things you write down. Okay, this is one of the things that, as I said here on this stream, it is uh, a pretty casual stream, but sometimes there are things that you should write down and uh, that you'll learn. So, مسائلٌ واحد واحدة وعشرة واجبة في العمر منك مرة. There are eleven things that are fard for you to do once in your life. Okay. This is fiqh here. Eleven things wajib upon you once in your life. Ta'awudun tasliyatun wa basmala. The first three. These are all commandments in the Quran and the Sunnah. Right? In general. So when something is a general command, it becomes sunnah, it becomes wajib for us to do it once. Okay? Ta'awud, saying, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim Wa basmala, saying, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Tasliya, before that he mentioned, to make salah on the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Takbiratun, tasbihatun, wa haylala, to say Allahu Akbar, to say, Subhanallah, to say, La ilaha illallah, once in your life. Okay. Hasbala, hamdala, to say Hasbunallah Amal Wakil, to say Alhamdulillah, to say La Hawla Wala Quwata illa Billah. Hajjun Ma'istirfaruna Mukamila. To make Hajj is once in your life, and to say Astaghfirullah once in your life. These are eleven things that are fard upon us to do. Wajib. One time in your life to do. All right, let's turn now to, first of all, let us now turn to our book that we read from after a pretty wild live stream yesterday in which we basically went on a massive 9-11 tangent, which I stand by 100%. It's a joke and a laughing stock. Uh, the dominant theory or so-called accepted Theory of 9-11. Okay. That's the conspiracy, if there, ever, if there ever was a conspiracy. All right, Yusuf ibn, uh, Yahya ibn Mu'adh al-Razi. Today we're on Yahya ibn Mu'adh al-Razi, the 40th entry in a risal al-Qushayriya. So this book just goes into... Why is it the pillars of this? Or is it just biography? No, this first half of it is the pillars of tasawwuf in every capacity in the terminology, in the main states. He goes into ahwal. He doesn't do like adab suluk al-murid, such as how to be with your shaykh and things. He doesn't go into that. But he goes into the the essential terminology of itself, the states mainly. Al-ahwal is the biggest thing. right? He talks about like the halul raja, halul, uh, things like that. Yeah, mustalah and al-warid, um, for example. What did they mean? When the Qawm, people to self say Al-Warid. Al-Warid, right? Al-Warid comes from a Wird. When you have a Wird, you have a Warid of, um, of blessings that come to you. 
something that comes to you that's nice all the time, like every two weeks. Someone who's, who's struggling hard in the past. At some point, you don't pass two, three weeks without something amazing happening, right, that makes you feel that it's been worth the price. It's worth the effort, right? It renews your effort. And the ulama say that you're burning your firewood, right? So you need someone to fan it a little bit, to cool it down a little bit. And you get an amazing experience. Could be from a dream. It could be some kind of mukashafa. Um, it could be some kind of um, what they call it, muwafaqa. Muwafaqa is one of the first levels of, of science that a person gets that they're on the right path is muwafaqa. Let's say we bring up somebody's name right now. Hypothetically, we just start talking about one of our friends, right? And then he pops in, he walks in. This, like, it gives you a feeling that Allah is with you, sending you a little gift, a little Hershey kiss, right? A little thing that will go into your heart and make you certain, all right, we're on the right track. These are muwafaqat and bigger things like a vision of the Prophet And so much so that it was one of, uh, Imam Madik said that if I go a single night without seeing the Messenger So how much effort is he putting in that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifts him nightly with a vision of Sayyid al-Kawni alayhi salatu wasalam. And he took that, his nur, and his path was taken from Sayyidina Ja'far al-Sadiq, no doubt about it. We know where he took his usul from, Rabiatul Ra'i. We know where he took his qira'ah from, Nafa. We know where he took his aqidah from. Okay, his aqidah, he took it from Al-Hurmus. We know, um, uh, sorry, it was, um, subhanAllah, who is that, that main teacher? Ibn, yeah, Ibn Hurmus. We know, there's two Ibn Hurmus, that's why. If, if for some reason the name is skipping my mind. But we, we have this, okay? We, we know exactly where Imam Malik received what he received. You can, you're looking it up, right? Abdurrahman bin Hormuz, right? There's two. There's one who's a companion of Abu Huraira. That's nothing to do with Imam Malik. And then there's the other who was the our version of the Mutakallim. He refuted the innovators all the time. Okay? Rai's going to... Look it up. Yeah, Abdurrahman ibn Hurmuz. He studied with him over 30 years. And he studied, he said, he started studying with him for seven years. He didn't mix a single sheikh with him. He did not mix a single sheikh with him. Okay. And that means that Malik became a master of aqidah first. The ahkam came later. And that's why the Maliki Madhab, it's also aqidah too. Can this book be brought as a, be available as a PDF? It's available as a PDF and the translated version too. Just put in Risala Qushariya PDF. The Risala Qushariya? Yeah. Just, they usually call it Qushari's Epistle. Yahya ibn Mu'adh al-Razi wa huwa Abu Zakariya Yahya ibn Mu'adh al-Razi al-Wa'idh tuwufi'a'am mi'atayn khamsa wa thamanin 
Farid Asrihi, meaning he was unique in his time, the unique one of his time. His tongue, when it comes to asking, was special. Like, Raja is desire, having desires or creating desires in others, such as giving a speech or talking about Jannah, about Ma'rifah, about the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you sit with these people, they talk more about the path and the beauty of life in this path as more than they talk about Jannah, right? Uh, he has amazing speech, amazing discourse in Ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ma'rifah, right? Which is, Ma'rifah is specifically the word for knowing the ways of Allah with his creation, Okay. Ma'rifa specifically means when someone says Arif Billah, it's it they know how Allah interacts with his creation. Okay. How, what is a signal from Allah that we're on the wrong track? What's a signal from Allah that we're on the right track? What is a sign of Allah's love for somebody? What is a sign of Allah's sakhats and maqts His wrath and his displeasure with a person. Okay. That is Ma'rifa. He went out to Balkh. He stayed there a little bit, then he came back to Nishapur. How could you be a Zahid if you don't have Wara? Right? What is an ascetic? An ascetic is somebody who leaves off a lot of dunya. But what is a Wara? A Wara is a cautious, scrupulous Muslim. He leaves off the Haram. How exactly are you going to be somebody who is in leaving off the halal when you haven't yet left off the haram? Okay? And the wara' leaves off the makruh that leads us to the haram. Okay? So that's what we're talking about. How exactly are you going to leave off what is makruh? All right? What is, dis- uh, sorry, what is halal? And let's say you, you're, you're at the dinner table and say, no, I'm going to decrease. I'm going to um, give away my car. But then you go and you smoke. It doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't make any sense. Or you mingle with women. This doesn't make any sense. So you cannot be an ascetic. The first level, layer of asceticism, if you want to be a zahid, is to leave off what is forbidden, right, from us to do. And then to leave off what is discouraged that leads to the forbidden. Then you can leave off, you can decrease of the halat. You can't build off a shaky foundation, says Wadi Tijani. He confirms that this is a fact. Okay? The hunger, the fasting and the hunger of the penance, penitent ones is an, is an experience. Right? It's an experience. Right? And you see... Beginners in the spiritual path, anything that they do of a spiritual nature, it's like, it's an experience. It's not something that they're always going to do. It's just like a one-time experience. That's what he means here. The penitent one, when he's starting off, his worship is like a, it's an experience. Now, once you start passing and leaving off sins, and now you're like an ascetic, and you're on the path, you're on the spiritual path, he says now that their fasting is 
siesa, meaning it's diplomacy with his ego. So, oh ego, I'm going to deprive you a little bit, and I'm going to give you a little bit. I'm going to go back and forth. The ego becomes like a horse that they're trying to, to tame, right? And a horse that they're trying to, 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 to manage. You can't push yourself over the edge. Shaitan will try to push you over the edge. Keep doing more, doing more, doing more until you burst. And then you become worse than you were before. And more hesitant to go forward, to advance again. Okay? If I tell you to touch something and you get burned, afterwards you're not going to trust me. It's going to be very hard for me to get you to, tr- to, to, to touch something again. Then he says, The hunger, the fasting of the Siddiq. This is the level of somebody who has arrived at the path. Al-Ghazali calls this the novice, the mubtadi, the salik, and the wasil. It's an honor. They realize, they realize what it is in reality. It's not you fasting. It's Allah elevating you to the maqam of the fasters so that he can give you a great reward. So you feel honored that you're even fasting. That's how they view ibadah. The, the awliya view ibadah as something that we're doing it's not we're the ones who are doing it. Allah is giving it to us as a gift. The act of worship is a gift. That's the gift. Because it's a, predis- it's a precursor to a great reward that he's going to give you. But they find such a sweetness in the act of worship itself, and they realize, I'm being honored here. Missing off the ability to worship Allah, losing an opportunity, that by itself, that is worse than death. Why? When you die, you're cut off from the creation. But when you miss out an act of worship, it's a, you're cut off from the Creator Himself. Zuhud, it's really three things. You want to be on this path and be someone who left the world and came to the dunya? I mean, came to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, three things. Decrease in everything halal. Anything halal, decrease in it. Don't go so far into the halal because it's going to be a distraction. And it could rust up your heart. Okay, the halal is not something that you should indulge in. That's al-qilla. Wal-khalwa. Decrease in your... You have to have some time alone. Can you have a successful marriage while never being alone? Right? It's not possible. You have to be, and the more time you spend alone with your wife, the better the marriage is. It's like impossible, not, it's an impossible formula to break. It cannot possibly be with somebody a lot and not grow in that relationship. At the very least, I'm not used to life without her anymore. Like, that'll be too weird. At the very least. And that's what Habib Omar says about raising children. When, he, when someone asked him, should we allow our children to, to be exposed to what's out there, or should we um, protect them from these sinful things? So that, or should we expose them so they don't get shocked? He said, protect them so that by the time they get exposed, they're so used to the warmth of the life of the deen and the halal and the pure that their instinct will repel against these sins. That's what he said. Okay. Well, Hunger. 
not possible to be on the path of ibadah and not go, go the route of hunger. Here, um, sit here so you can take that mic. Yeah, you can move my jacket and everything. Ismail Khatib here, PashaInternational.com. What's the website called? Pasha INTL. Yeah, international Yeah. <laughs> PashaINTL.com. You can get neat things. <laughs> Next, he says, La tarja ala nafsika bi shayin ajalla min an tashgalaha fi kulli waqtin bima huwa awla biha. La tarbah ala nafsik. So, he said, profit for yourself is that you always busy it with what is better for it. If you want to profit, do, who, would want, who would not want a business that always goes like this, right? And if you have that kind of business, it's impossible at that point for you that, to, to, to have made a bad decision. That means at every turn, you made the better decision, right, for the, for the bottom line. So, if we're, our spirituality is also looking at a bottom line, then that bottom line is going to be at every turn, we should be doing something which is benefiting the infinite or the eternal more than the, than the temporal. So if, I, if I'm spending an hour on my eternal and, not, and, and, and 15 hours of my waking time on the temporal, that should never decrease. It should only increase. The, the time spent on the eternal should always increase. So Abdul Qadr Jailani said... Um, when they ask him, how much time do we spend, what's a balanced amount of time to spend in ibadah and work? He, said, he started calculating, well, you're going to sleep this many hours, you have to spend this many hours eating, this many amount of taking care of yourself, this much being with your family. And then he ended up with like nine hours, so he said, I would say one hour for work and eight hours for ibadah. <laughs> that was the life that he lived, right? Okay. So if someone reverses that now, well, if someone did an hour of khalwa in ibadah every single day, you should get a medal. If you're single and you do that, you don't get anything, right? And if you're, if you're a college student who's like immature still and you still got hormones going crazy, you, you should get a medal, right? But when you're single and you've stabilized and you have time and your mind is clear and you have more self-control, right? It's expected, expected for you to do even more than that. If you marry and you do that, we give you a nod. If you ha- start having a job and kids and you do that, we shake your hand, we give you a medal. That's how it works. There comes a point then when your kids become more independent that you start getting more time back. And you see people who have a lot of kids and you wonder, how do they do it? Well, it's because, number one, these kids have smashed any concept of order and sleep. That's what kids do in your life. They will literally smash any order, any sense of, oh, I have to wake up at this hour. I have to wake up at that hour. Have you ever heard of Marie Condon? She's out. She's, she, get, she put up the white flag, right? She's like Mrs. Organized and, and everything has to be perfect and follow these rules. And I go to some people's house and I got to see a schedule, right? At 8.05, the kid's got to be in bed. Right, at, they work backwards. Right, seven thirty-five, brush teeth, put the PJs on. What life are you? Right, we could never do that because one day Maghrib is going to be at seven thirty-five. Right, one day iftar is going to be at that hour. I mean, stuff never happens. So finally, uh, she put up the white flag, and she's like the queen of clean. They call her uh, Japanese decluttering. Uh, she basically has called it quits. 
So the whole world will now feel, take a, exhale, a breath of fresh air now that, all right, so there's a little bit of a mess. What can I do about it? There is some times where you say, there's not, I'm, not, I'm not even touching it. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you come home. <laughs> if you come home at 10 p.m., right, and the only thing I will do is I'll make sure there's no food out and no food uncovered because that's a sunnah, yeah. and the food will go bad. Beyond that, all right, beyond that, I'm not parenting. Unless someone's screaming their head off, right, and needs to go to the accidents and emergency, as they call it in England, or the ER, as we call it here. We have uh, PM medicine or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. 24-hour uh, doctors. Um, if you're not dying, okay, I'm not parenting. I'm not doing anything out of, after a certain hour. I'm check, I clocked out. I'm not dad anymore. You call me Brother Shady in the house, right? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing any of that. I'm definitely not. Subhanallah, uh, mopping up. And but if, if, some people they have this this thing. They cannot clean a little bit. It's either a full DefCon three level cleaning, right? Uh, or it's uh, or nothing, yeah. right? And that's. If I get going, I, it's very hard for me to do level one cleaning. Just barely tidying it up is very hard. It's, if, I, if I pick up the spray, if I start working on a counter, it will be a two-hour DEFCON 3. The whole kitchen's got to be cleaned. No, I don't know. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Okay? Terrible. Um. If you t- betray Allah in secret, you betray Allah in secret, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will expose you in public. Fear the sins of the private times in the night. Okay? Have fear of that so that you don't ever get exposed. Okay? Lily Rose says she had a lot of interesting things in her book. I'm really curious at this point, what is there to say about decluttering? Like, what are the chapter titles? <laughs> removing stuff you don't want, removing stuff that you use, right? But later on, they use once a year. Removing or organizing things that you use every day. I mean, in my, t- my chapterization, right? <laughs> things you do not need, okay? And then, First section of that bab, that which is no one can benefit from, throw it in the garbage. That which people could still benefit from, give it to charity. Okay, between going from charity, from now, to actually I get to go to charity, where do I put it? Some people put it in a garbage bag, right? Yeah. You know where, that, what, where, where we're going to have a stall is that phase right there. I'm not using it. But when am I going to go to Goodwill? Now we have the Dawah Center. Even with the Dawah Center. I come in, we do the stream, I leave, the bag stays in my back seat, right? And it doesn't leave for like months sometimes. Exactly. Okay? And that bag will just sit there in the trunk of the car forever. So that phase is a problem. Okay? <laughs> so that's Al-Babu Al-Awwal wa Fasl thani Now we need Targhib. Targhib is the virtues of <laughs> removing the stuff. Out of your trunk and the virtues of decluttering. I'm telling you, we'll 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 make a whole thick of this whole thing, right? 
Right. Are we missing anything? Because Al Kitab Al Awal, Kitab or Bab Mala Hajatala, Bab La Hajatalaka Fi, when Tafi will be here. This is Fihi Nadar. Fihi yes. <laughs> As for what to do, what kind of bag will we put the stuff in? Are we going to use a garbage bag? Are we going to use, are we just going to throw it in the trunk? Fihi Nadar, there's discussion. Fihi Thalathatu Aqwal. There are three statements about this, right? <laughs> oh, man. I'm really curious what is there. Um, I guess that's, that's how she would handle it. That's how I would treat the, uh, the possessions. How about this? How about the worst of all possessions? I'll tell you. Yeah, no, we could actually write a whole book on this. The worst of possessions are of two types. One, the borrowed possession. Oh, this is one. That is terrible. Look at this. Look at Which one? What is this? On, on, uh, well, thanking the item, but really thanking Allah. <laughs> Uh, check this out. Oh, Meriam says, if an item of clothing doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it. That's what that was her like whole motto. Right? Yeah, you know, you know what I, you know what I do. I actually, uh, that's a, actually that's a good filter, right? I do this. If I see a toy in the house that hasn't been played with for six months, it's gone. You have no idea how many times I've argued with my wife about this. I'll see a toy and I'll be, we'll be like cleaning out his room. Yep. And I'll be like, let's get rid. Oh no, but. Like if it's sentimental, and it's something I can pass down yeah. to like another kid or grand, I'll keep it. Yeah. And it's like something that's beat up. And yeah. It's like something like we bought them from Walmart. It's like that's because you're still in your first five years of marriage, right? <laughs> I'll tell you what happens later on. You don't ask. You wait till everyone's <laughs> leave, left the house. Then I go to town. I, I try right? to be honest. That's why. As soon as everyone left the house, I go to town, right? <laughs> and I'm taking it out, and then you take other garbage and put it on top of that. Yeah. To, so they don't see it. Right? So yeah. they don't see it. Right, I go to town and mop up, and and here's the thing: I'm not, I'm right 100% of the time. Nobody asks about it. Nobody says, "Oh, where was that toy car? Where was this? Where was that?" <laughs> Nobody asks. So I was right. <laughs> now let 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 me say this: Atik Rahman says, "Yeah, the the old saying: better to ask forgiveness than for permission." You guys hear all that construction over here? Crazy, crazy construction going on back there. Now now listen to this, huh? It's not bad. Okay, good. One of the worst gifts, one of the worst things in your house, and this has its own bab because it has a lot of discussion. Gifts your friends gave you that are meant to be on public display. I have an announcement to all my friends. Please, when you come, don't buy me a bowl, a vase, any of that Mikasa nonsense. I know that you got it from, like, Mikasa used to be an amazing company that... It's like glass items, bowls, vases. It ends up being in like odd jobs. You know the stores like odd jobs or thrift stores? Somehow this this company cheapened its brand. So I know you didn't pay much for it in the first place. That's number one. Number two, okay, what am I gonna do with a million vases, right? And then we have the debate. Oh, you gotta put it in because they're gonna come again. I want them to see it that we Great put- gift. Give me a consumable gift. Get, eat it yeah, done. eat it and it's done with. It's Give me something that is going to be useful to me, right? And not something that... You know what? If you had took that 30 bucks, you paid twenty nine ninety nine for that stupid thing, and went to Exxon and got me a gas card for 25 bucks, we would be best friends real quick, yeah. right? <laughs> Think about that. All right, next one. 
قال تزكية الأشرار لك هجن بك وحبهم لك عيب وهانا عليك من احتاج إليك very uh, important if people who are bad meaning they are outwardly sinful okay if they're outwardly sinful and they're shameless in their sins if they like you if they praise you that's an insult and if they love you if they love you that is a very bad very bad thing there's something wrong with you okay there is something terribly wrong with you if the fasiqeen love you okay and anybody who needs you you start to dislike it, it, their rank decreases naturally in people's eyes he's not saying that that should be but naturally because when they need you they're revealing their their um, neediness and their dependence next biography Yusuf ibn Hussein al-Razi kana shaykh al-Rayi wal-jibal fi waqtihi he was a shaykh of an area called al-Rayi okay wa kana nas نسيج نسيج وحده في إسقاط التصنع. He was extremely unique in that he despised تصنع. تصنع is faking it. That's what تصنع is. تصنع is this. It is you are making yourself so formal and you are using technical terminology to try to make yourself appear what you are not that is what we call tasannu fakery being a fake and a fraud okay and there is another thing it's just takalluf takalluf it's making people burdened when you enter everyone has to stand up shake your hand kiss your hand and do all this tasannu okay تصنع uh, تكلف. It's not good. It's not good. Okay. Then he says, وكان عالما أديبا. He was a scholar, and he was a uh, a man of letters, meaning he used to write books and poetry and all these things. صاحب النون المصري. He was a companion of the Noon al-Misri. وأبا تراب النخشبي. ورافق أبا سعيد الخراس and he also kept company with Abu Sa'id al-Kharraz قال لأن ألقى الله تعالى بجميع المعاصي أحب إلي من أن ألقاه بذرة من التصنع to meet Allah with sins is better than meeting Allah with a false intention worshiping Allah for the sake of other people رياء رياء وقال إذا رأيت المريد يشتغل بالرخص فاعلم أنه لا يجيء منه شيء. If you find someone so called seeking the path of Allah and he's busy looking for رخص رخصة. Oh, this is halal. Who so and so said it's halal? Boom! Someone said there's a رخصة here. Well, if you're Hanafi, you could do this. Well, if you're Hanbali, you could do that. He said no very well. No good will come from him. He has no discipline. He has no commitment. <coughs> he has no ability to sacrifice. He has no sabr. People of Rukhas, no good will come to them. 
from them. Always looking for the way out, a shortcut, a corner. Right? I say, why not? I'm going from valid opinion to valid opinion. Yes. But you're all you're going from discipline to pleasing your nafs. That's what you're going to. You're going from consist rational consistency with your men menhaj to pleasing your nafs. Fine, do it. It's halal. But no good will come from you. You lack discipline, you last commit lack commitment. Your your principle is what eases your nafs. That's your problem. Anyone who's principle in life and their filter of do or not to, to do or, or not to do, is the ease of their nafs, that's a problem. Unacceptable. It's halal for you, fine, but no, no good will come from you. And he says, وَقَالَ رَأَيْتُ آفَاتَ السُّوفِيَّةِ فِي سُحْبَةِ الْأَحْدَاثِ وَمُعَاشَرَةِ الْأَضْدَادِ وَمُرَافَقَةِ النِّسَاءِ I saw the flaws of Sufis, meaning the people who are trying to have zuhud and trying to do ibadah and trying to do all these things. Where do they come from? Keeping companions with people who don't know this path. Keeping company and being companions with people who do not know this path. Okay? That's a problem because they will decrease your uh, himma. What's being in company that you can't help it but you're in their company and they're against you they're against this path that's what I understand from this al-addad meaning those who are against you okay the novices the addad people who are against you they're not, they're not for that that's what I understand from that keeping time with women right spending time with women Right, meaning that's the firstly, it's haram in the first place. Like, what's your business with them? What she's not talking about the wife because that's a sunnah, so it would never be a flaw, right? But what's your business and in, in mingling with the genders and messing around with that? He wrote to Junaid, May Allah never give you the taste of your nafs. Because if you become attached to that, the pleasing of your nafs, you will not taste anything after that. Next one, Ibrahim Ar-Riqi. If I'm pronouncing that right. He was from Shem. And he was from the time of Junaid al-Sadiq. قَالَ الْمَعْرِفَةِ إِثْبَاتُ الْحَقِّ عَلَى مَا هُوَ Ma'rifa is to establish the truth in what it is. Uh, seeker of knowledge, I see your question. SH, we haven't started the questions yet, but I will get to your questions. Is to see the truth as it is, far from awham. Awham are illusions. Awham technically is a conclusion that lacks evidence. That is a technical definition of a wahm. Uh, so a dhan can be dhan rajah, is more than 50%. That's a dhan. Let's start from the top. Al yaqeen, write this. This is one of the things you write on the margin of your book. Al yaqeen is absolute certainty. Uh, is, does Antarctica exist? It exists. With Maybe it exists? No, it exists. We've never seen it, but there's something called al-khabr al-sadiq, which means that enough 
atlases, enough geographers have told us it exists, that it's impossible for them to conspire a lie. Therefore, I can have absolute certainty and yaqeen that Antarctica exists, and to doubt it would be foolishness. Because enough people have told us that it exists, and they, they would be ridiculous to imagine they conspired a lie. That's what we call yaqeen. Okay. Number two. Um... Avan. Avan is that we hold that to be the position, but it's not a hundred percent. It's between like ninety-nine percent and fifty-one percent. Like it's more it's it's we're there, but I can't give you a hundred percent. That's a van. And van can come from something that only one or two reliable people have told you they could have made a mistake, right? They could have made a mistake. But I think they didn't make a mistake. I'm pretty sure, but I can't say 100%. That's what we call van. Okay? Um, Shek. 50-50. 50 I'm 50-50. Or, or, or we could say, yeah, let's say wahm is a claim that has no evidence. The evidence for it is extremely weak or zero. Okay? That's what we call a wahm. And then jahl is admittedly zero. Okay. Jahl is less dangerous than wahm because wahm is a claim that has nothing on it. Right? Most of what you read of Ghid um, al-Nisan, dhan is not just an assumption. No. It's an, it's an assumption with evidence. It's speculative knowledge. It's, it's an, a speculative affirmation. It's like, yeah, that, this is what it is. I can't tell you 100%, but I'm pretty sure. Between 50 and 99. Between 51 and 99, yeah, including 51. 50-50 is what we call shek. Waham, that which is, does not even have any good evidence to ground up. I'll tell you what oham are. A lot of people get into fake spirituality is mostly oham. Like a lot of stuff uh, related to um, do this mantra, you're going to get that, right? Blah, blah, blah. That stuff is it's oham. A lot of people's uh, ohem is a certain type of people who are into these things. And it's a delusion in a sense. Like you're making an affirmation and living your life off of something that has very, very little evidence. Okay? So that's a wahm. A jahl is an admitted, like you're stepping off. I'm not, I cannot make an uh, affirmation. That's jahl. Right? I can't make a, a comment. If you ask me about physics... A mas'ala in physics, I might tell you, um, I'm, 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 I don't have, I can't say anything. Okay. That's al-jahl. Right. Wahm is really bad. You have to eliminate it from your life. Why does Allah forbid uh, superstitions for us? Right. Superstitions. Because it's ohem. The rabbit's foot. Okay. It's a wahm. There's no reason that the rabbit foot is going to make things better. Like, uh, it's a complete wahm. Like for wudu, if people have doubts if they broke their wudu or not, like what Sheikh Harun would say is it's wahm if it's not based in an actual occurrence that happened in reality. Yes. It's Sheikh. Yes. Sheikh breaks the wudu if you think, if you know something happened, you just don't know when it happened yes. or something. Yes. It's based in a reality. Wahm has no reality yes. to it. Like if you feel something, okay, 
but you don't know if that was like cloth or you passed gas. Right? That's a shek. Because that something happened. Awaham has no basis. People who have awham, they don't go far in life. Usually people have to sit them down and do an intervention. Okay, so we're all about eliminating awham. Right? He then says, وَقَالَ الْقُدْرَةُ ظَاهِرَةٌ وَالْأَعْيُنُ مَفْتُوحَةٌ وَلَكِنْ أَنْوَارُ الْبَصَائِرِ قَدْ ضَعُفَتْ He's talking about, he's sort of uh, blaming. Um, uh, Raya, Tahir Omar is yelling at you. Man. That was like three <laughs> seconds ago. You asked a question like two seconds ago. So you, 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 why aren't you automatic? Why isn't Ryan automatic within one second immediately like chat GBT? No, I was actually, I was going to answer it and then yeah. we started talking. Yeah. Al-Qudratu um, Zahiratun. People have clear strength and their eyes are open, but the light of their hearts is dim. He's blaming people, right? So let me tell you something. Atheists say, monotheists are atheists to all other gods except theirs. This is one of the um, common things that atheists do is they'll liken the belief in God to belief in uh, uh, idols, Greek gods, things like that. The biggest difference is that the belief in God is based upon an airtight uh, a conclusion, rational conclusion, that we see things. And God, philosophically, from the purely rational perspective, is the creator. We know only a few things about him. He's an all-powerful, powerful, knowledgeable, willful, ex- existing creator. Because we look at the world around us, and it has systems. It has, uh, it's designed clearly. It has beauty to it. Subhanallah. We were last night. We were at MBIC eating like some chicken. Yeah. And we looked out, and Sheikh Murad looked up because it was like maybe eleven o'clock. He looked up and he sees a ring around the moon. Subhanallah. Have you seen this before? What is it reflecting it's on? An, no, it's an ice ring. An ice around, ring. Wow. Around the moon, and yeah. it was so cool. It was like uh, ice halo or. And it's a, it's a perfect circle around the moon. Wow. It's an illusion. This. Oh, wow. SubhanAllah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is We insane. looked up and we could see it. And we're like, wow. SubhanAllah. Okay. Looks like just like an eye is watching you. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Looks, yeah. Like, looks like an iris with a pupil inside of it. Yeah. But reverse color. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, there is reason. Right? And it's airtight. Mm-hmm. It is literally an airtight uh, uh, concept that... Just tell me how is even the Big Bang, let's say, from nothing, right? How can something come from nothing? Something must come from something, okay? So it, and that thing must eventually be the stopgap that is absolute. That is absolute stopgap for why things are the way they are. They, you cannot explain a contingent thing by another contingent thing. A contingent reality can only be explained by an absolute reality, right? And so... When people say that we say, we look at the creation and we conclude Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that answers that the truth is no. That we need revelation to tell us that his name is Allah. We need a prophet to come and tell us what to do. That's a whole other subject. But with if I have two eyes and I have a, a, a sound mind, I must conclude that there is a creator. Right? Mm-hmm. That has knowledge, that has will, that is in control. Otherwise, we'd see chaos everywhere. Wasn't we, that the 
thought process of seeing that Brahim, right? Don't yeah, that's right. He, he it's the same different. thing. He kept looking at different things, and yeah. eventually each thing would fade in its own mm-hmm. way. And eventually concluded there has to be... There has to be one above all of these causes and effects. We don't say that Allah is the cause. He's the creator. Mm-hmm. A cause is a middleman, mm-hmm. right? Is and, and so that's why we, we separate. We don't believe in the concepts of... Uh, uh, the, the that or we we reject an atheist and we refute him when they say that oh okay there's this god yeah in the past they also worshipped lightning and they also worshipped Zeus and they also worshipped idols they're not all the same those are solely based on ohem they're complete ohem and not only that their spiritual experience is another cause for belief right Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recognizes spiritual experience as a cause of belief when he says that oh pagans your gods don't answer you when you pray to them and when you do pray to allah ta'ala you get an answer it confirms our iman right when we make dua for something and we get it it confirms our iman so that spiritual experience is a cause of belief show me somebody who worshiped zeus and had a spiritual experience right or whatever these idols well, they just uh, have jinni experience these are jinns that but can we jinn yes I think one thing I've noticed that I've yet to see with any other religion mm-hmm. is, and this is, I think, again, and a lot of people try to conf- conflate Islam with other religions in terms of how they view God, Yeah, is no, I don't think any other religion has a God that goes beyond the human imagination, right? Yes. Because always, oh, every religion, whether it's Zoroastrians with fire or yeah. Greeks with humanistic looking gods mm-hmm. or Christians believing that Satan Isa is the son of God, like yeah. all these things are human attributes yes. this is also why they can so easily you know mock and and say yeah and and believe that god isn't like all yeah all powerful right because it's just they, one like they, you they feel like they can contest with him right that's because totally true these weird quotes about like mm-hmm. not not even god you know god yeah. can do can do such and such thing you'll hear like people say this stuff. yeah only in islam do we have this concept where he's beyond our imagination yeah you have to accept that there's a limit. And, uh, there's yeah. There's a limit to you, and an unlimitedness to yeah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And no other religion has demonstrated that. I don't think any other yeah. religion has. De- they, they for for them, they have to be able to mm-hmm. grasp conceptually, right, within their own minds. That's why Tenzi does yeah. not exist with Judaism and Christianity, yeah. and it's one of the greatest disservices for people to lump Islam with Judaism and Christianity. Theologically, it's a great disservice. You may say on some political moral level we do have some common ground and we have some common agendas. But the idea and the concepts theologically, it's night and day. Mm-hmm. They are worshipping, their conceptual God is completely material. Right? It's completely material. They're cons- both, Judaism and Christianity, they're no different when it comes to that. Tenzi, Halal Digest is asking, Halal Food Reviews. Uh, Tenzi means separating from our belief in Allah, that which is only suitable for created things. Materiality, cause and effect, time and space. These are the five things that you find in the books of Aqidah that is the definition of There is none like unto him. In what way? That he does not have the attributes of right? He is not different from the created things. Created things must exist in some material form or other. Right? Even if it's a subtle material, uh, an abstract idea we say is not a thing, right? It, it's got to have an existence, a physical existence, and the proof of that is that 
Simply existing in your in your mind is not an existence. Did not Sayyidina Zakaria exist in in Allah's knowledge? But we don't call that existence. Allah says, and I had created you and you were not a thing. Yet he was always in Allah's knowledge. So being in one's knowledge and one in one's imagination is different from existing. Really, subhanAllah. Subhanallah. Yes, subhanAllah. So so Allah Ta'ala has a knowledge of something and he wills a thing, but yet it doesn't it doesn't always exist. Okay? So we separate between existence of a thing has to be its material existence in the world. Okay. Uh, that material existence has to have a place. Anything material has to have a place. Even angels, they the soul. It's a, it's a subtle matter. It's a very subtle type of matter. But it is something that exists. Okay? Uh, it's not it's just a figment of your imagination. It's that matter has to exist in a place. So location. And that everything that Allah created requires other creations to help it exist. Right? Mm-hmm. So we need food. So it cause and effect is interacting. That will exist in a world of cause and effect. So materiality, time, of course, once you exist, you immediately have to exist in a place and you exist on a timeline immediately. The moment you come into existence, that's the zero point. You move on, right? And that's the concept here that uh, these five things that are purely qualities of created beings, when we say, it means he does, Allah is transcendent above, above these, beyond these things. He's the creator of this system. This is the system of creation. He created it. So therefore, it doesn't apply to him. That's a quick um, meaning and the quick uh, summary of Mukhalafat al-Hawadith. He's different from created beings. Different from them in the, in the things that are required for created beings. We all share them. He's different from them in other qualities in that any quality that we have that is also a divine attribute we have it because Allah granted it to us. We have it in a limited capacity. Allah has it, it is established within himself. Like generosity. You learn to be generous, right? All right, maybe you were born generous, but something else, such as maybe you weren't born strong. You became strong. But your strength is limited, right? And also, even if you're born generous, who put it there, right? It is general, Allah put it there. So, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's, he has qiyam bin nafs with all his sifats are established within him. Nothing added it there and nothing is needed to keep it and no limit, nothing limits it. It's mutlaq, it's absolute. Whereas ours is always limited. That's the difference between attributes that we see in ourselves and attributes that are also from the divine names. That's the difference. So he's always different from his creation. Last one here. Ad'aful khalqi man da'ufa an shahawati. The weakest of creation is the one who is weak, weakest in repelling his desires. That's extremely important. Who is the strongest of the creation? The one who can control his desires. And that's what Islam does. And that's what the Dajjadic system is against. The Dajjadic system is go into all desires. Okay? All right. Go into all your desires. All right. Feed your desires. Obey them. 
Render your identity based solely on your desires. Even your own hawiya, your own identity is not based upon a higher principle. People used to say, I, I'm a socialist. I'm so a, a capitalist. So his identity was a higher principle, a principle above him that he has to aspire to. The Dajjadic system is so wicked and so bad that that was just a stepping stone from a godly standard to man-made standard and now no standard. Your desires is what you identify as. So today I'm bisexual, tomorrow I'm transsexual, tomorrow I'm pansexual after that, day after that, um, whatever. So it's all desires, desires, desires. I'm vegan, right? What I eat and what I don't eat. So your identity, you have rendered yourself to be a slave of your desire, right? Whoever's a slave of their desires, this is the weakest of creation. This is happening as a precursor to a great tyranny that's going to happen. Mark my word, I guarantee you this is the formula of human life forever. The moment of people become slaves to their desires, they will be slaves to somebody else someday. They could be slaves to a government. No, human being today, does he have any power? Nothing. All you have power to do is collect some money and enjoy yourself. Does anybody really actually have the ability to alter the way things are or change society? No. All right? You're just a cog. You're just a nothing. Okay? And that's because once you cannot be an oppressed person until you, uh, and, and there cannot be a dictator oppressing you, except that you first have become a slave to yourself. Right? Other than that, a dictator can, cannot come over people who have fought their egos sufficiently, except that they will repel him. It's impossible for people who have fought their egos for the sake of a principle or otherwise, to be dominated by a dictator. Why? Because they just simply won't accept it. They will die of fighting him. Okay? And we're, we're going to soon be in a dictatorial system, and some people think it's going to be an AI-rendered dictatorial system. Who the heck knows? <laughs> no one knows really what's going on. And I think, uh, to be honest with you, AI has some really freaky things, but we'll just have to see how far it goes. Okay? At least there's like a little bit of comedy in Kim Jong-un and like... Yeah. Like, at least they're just like goofy humans. That, yeah. Know, they're terrible people and everything, but like, at least they're like, there's some fun in it. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's it's a silly, like, you got a funny haircut, you got a chubby guy, and like, yeah. uh, like, what's his name, Gaddafi? Gaddafi is a, is, 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 a, is a, that was comedy. King Jong-un is comedy. The guy loves, I mean, the guy spent like a week with Dennis Rodman. That's what what head of like state? AI, if the AI dictatorship is no, it's really actually zero fun at all. That's it, yeah. You know? An AI dictatorship also, there's no mistakes going to happen. Yeah. You can wait for, um, when you look at a dictator, one of the things, if, if you can't fight a dictator, you wait till he has a fallout with his guard. Yeah. The Praetorian guard have stabbed him in the back, right? Yeah. Like in the old Roman times. That's how, or you wait until he just gets old. AI will never get old, right? If an AI comes from time and dominates at some point, they're not making a mistake. They're not sleeping, right? They're not getting old. It's going to be a nasty enemy if AI ever becomes the enemy of men. And we'll see if that happens. Because human beings, they're sort of amazing creatures, and Allah has always has something new in store for human beings. It's not the case with cats. Every generation of cat chasing the mouse, right? Running away from the dog, right? It's taking naps at odd hours. Allah's will for cats is like one will for the whole of existence. You're going to love mice. This is how you're going to live. Okay. Uh, the, Allah's will for humans never repeats itself. There will never be an age of monarchs again. 
right? Mm -hmm. There will never be an age of alliances where we have World War One again. Nothing repeats itself. Or even like soldiers on the ground. Yeah, soldiers on the ground. With swords and yeah. shields and stuff. This stuff, it's not going to happen again. They're, and anyone who is trying to make the past happen again is a fool. And that's why nostalgia it has limits for us. Nostalgia has limits. We're not here in New Jersey at Dotto Fats trying to recreate something else. We're not. The only thing that we're trying to do is emulate the taqwa of the past people. And even when we do that, it's going to be very different. Right? Our, when we emulate taqwa, it's going to be extremely different. It's related but, to phones and internet. Yeah, it's related yeah. to how did I use my phone today? That's taqwa. When I went to my, uh, my, cous my cousin's wedding, my in-law's wedding, uh, did I step out when the music started? That's like taqwa in our day and age. It's, it's different. But yeah, the also, essence of it is the same, but it's different. As, as we develop, we create our own poison, right? Like even say like AI. Mm -hmm. We came up with that, right? Yeah. So like, we're, you know, monarchs and all that. Everything is... We created like, all this yeah, stuff. Las Palmas has given us the intellect mm -hmm. to do great things, but to also kind of make our own poison. Well, every great <laughs> thing becomes its version of a prison. Yeah. If you notice, let me give you an example. Um, there was a designer. This designer came up with one of the nicest styles of book designs, mm -hmm. right? And he repeated it for a number of years doing this. And people, at the time, there wasn't a lot of self-publishing, would pay a lot, a lot of money to get him to design your book, right. right? But the problem became is after like 10 years, he was stuck in that mold, right? He was like stuck in that mold. So you couldn't get out of it. And people didn't want his design anymore. It's just easy to emulate. We all know it. And so what do you do at that point when you're too old to reinvent yourself, Right? And you're too stuck in your ways. So we create these things, and anything of the earth will end up being a limitation. Even, let's say, the wonderful Ottoman Empire. Okay, but the world changed. And the Ottoman Empire can't, you can't take an ancient empire and just alter the way it does everything. It doesn't work like that. So anything of this world gets old. And anything that we create for ourselves uh, that is a man-made concept of morality... Not only does it get old, it becomes poison. The capitalist system, in my opinion, mm -hmm. will be one of the biggest sources of tyranny in the future. Okay? Because if you... If the capitalist system has to suck something. It's got to suck the blood of somebody. What happens when it starts sucking the blood of the countries, of the banks that, that are in... that are the heads of this capitalist yeah. country? So first you suck the, the blood of the rest of the world. China, Asia, Africa, you, you suck the money out of there. And then you start sucking the blood of the, of the poor in America. Then the middle class of America. Then the rich of America. Then the government of America. Well, but the capitalist is a human being who lives in America. It's going to self-destruct eventually. Okay? Every, the, everything self-destructs. Like for the ayah, Yeah. Like, Rajul is like what is like carries everything, right? The like, feet. Yeah, the feet. Yes. It's carrying everything. Right? So like, could this be part of it in the dunya at least? Can that be applied? That like, yeah. all these things are testifying to these people's intentions, basically? Or is that far? No, I think it's, you, you can make that, right? Tashadu, everything about them will, te will testify, meaning eventually something's going to slip out of them, showing their true intentions. Like George Bush, for example. He slipped when he was said about false invasions of Iraq, right? And he meant Ukraine. 
So everything will testify for you or against you at some point, even if it's a slip-up. The strongest of the creation is the one who is able to to um, repel his ego and his nafs. That is the strongest of the creation. And that's why our religion actually has, has built into it a modicum, a bare minimum of personal strength is built into this religion. Just to get up for fetch, that's strength. Just to, oh, I'll tell you what else. Just to have to obey your parents, that's a great strength, right? It's a great strength. Because your nefs wants to go one way, you have to say go the other way, right? Just the fact that we have to fast a month of Ramadan strengthens your ego, uh, of your, strengthens your nefs and your morale against your nefs. Ibrahim Khan says he thinks the fear of AI is just out of Hollywood. Maybe. Let me tell you this, from what I believe. Whatever we fear, that's not what's going to happen. What's the really bad thing that's going to happen is something we never saw coming. And maybe, yeah, it ended up in some journal or some people talked about it, but the way in which it's going to happen is something, it's going to be something we least imagined and that's isn't that usually the case with human beings did anyone this is this was um a really interesting article i read one time the question of did anyone imagine or foresee world war one and they thought to like how would we know this so they went to to political analysts they tried to look up newspapers they tried to look up clippings and then someone said no 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 none of that a true sign that people are aware of something is in how they move their money, right? And he found right up to the day and even after the assassination of the Archduke, okay, people were buying bonds, government-backed bonds, which means they were confident in the system of all these countries. The government-backed bonds, they did have those ledgers. Government-backed bonds were being purchased well through the assassination of the Archduke, there was no lack of confidence at all. I mean, they didn't see it coming, basically. Nobody saw it coming. There was no lack of confidence in, in the system, in the government, in anything. No lack of confidence. Okay. Isn't there yeah. also this perspective that uh, like everything that we take in, it goes through our heart and our mind, yep. and it you know, nurtures it in a way, and then if what we produce is a result of from the heart and the mind. Yeah. So... If everybody's taking in, you know, these Will Smith movie, End mm-hmm. of Time, Robot, AI, yep. blah, 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 and that's like coding our mind a little yep. bit, then what are we going to put out is going to be a whole Exactly that, right? So when people are going to say, wow, the movie was right. No, it wasn't the movie was right. The yeah. movie, subtly, because it's entertainment, nobody thinks they're being preached to, it subtly puts in your mind destruction and robotics. Mm-hmm. That's all I see. That's the biggest theme of all futuristic movies we live in a destroyed earth and the technology is insane right that reality is being tucked into everyone's mind and you already without realizing it millions upon millions upon millions of people they they feel that that's where we're going if you feel that that's where you're going so we will get there eventually people that we will see a world where it's just like that the jetsons the Jetsons. We're more advanced than the Jetsons, right? We just don't have the robots yet. Do you guys know who the Jetsons are? Yep. 
Oh my gosh, some of these people don't know what the Jetsons are. You know what Black Mirror is? Never heard of it. <laughs> no, no. Oh, it's 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 that uh, it's that hacking movie, right? No, it's a show. It's a show about like hacking, a, about futuristic. Yeah, stuff. It's like different themes every episode. Yeah, but it's uh, messes with your mind. Pretty crazy. Yeah, man. I watched like two episodes. I was like, I'm not watching this. No, I never. I, I Moeen is in love with Black Mirror, but the Jetsons is a cartoon basically for kids about. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so I'm like Mahmoud. How are you? Listen, I'm on the stream, but I have to tell you something real quick. Um... Can you tell them not to that container not to leave today because we have one more AC unit that needs to be thrown in there? Okay, good, good, thanks. All right. Yeah, I'll call you after the stream. Yeah, no problem. All right, so the funny thing I remember about the Jetsons is uh, yeah. when, when I used to watch it as a kid, it used to come either right before or right after the Flintstones. The Flintstones, So you'd yeah. have like the Stone Age yep. cartoon and then you'd have the mm-hmm. futuristic cartoon. Yep. Which is very interesting to see those two. But, but, uh, Ibrahim Khan says, but sometimes engineers take concepts and new ideas from movies because of how creative it is. It gave space travel the hype that, yeah, movies, I'm telling you, don't underestimate these things. It's self-fulfilling though, right? It's, it's, it's self-fulfilling. You, so it's some, the movie is someone's idea, yeah. is the medium. A great a, someone who wants to get their idea out to millions of people does not go and write an essay. Does not go write a book, right? Unless that book will be made a movie. If you want to get your idea to millions of people, you make a movie, right? Uh, and and the people who do make these movies, not ninety five percent of it's nonsense, but every once in a while you get someone with an amazing new idea, creative idea, puts it out there. It's going to settle in in so many. Like, how about? Um, Keanu Reeves, the red pill and the blue pill. Oh, yeah. Everyone views the world from the filter of a movie. Now you say, oh, it's a stupid movie. No, but there is someone smart behind that movie who had vision and imagination of where the world is headed. What is it called again? Matrix. Uh, Matrix. The Matrix. Why, like, why are Democrats red and blue? Like, this, yeah. This thing I have to think about. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it becomes that... Um, it, it, the, it, movies tend to be a silly thing, a waste of time... But there are some extremely bright and creative visionaries mm-hmm. putting out these movies. And when millions upon millions upon millions of people watch it over and over and over and over and over, right? And they start talking about it and it becomes words and it becomes expressions and stuff and idioms and memes. It settles in millions of heads and people get become convinced. That's where I'm convinced we're headed to destruction, right? I'm convinced of it for other reasons. You cannot find any nation before us that have indulged in sins and have that as a tradition for centuries oh for centuries we've been committing fornication no it's always like and that's lies. the last phase right what's that lies too lies and the quran says if you want your affairs to be upright tell the truth right tell the truth when lying becomes a norm fasad is the result and fasad cannot last it, when, when I say cannot last, doesn't mean they'll be wiped off the earth. It means you'll be rendered like Romania. You'll be like Argentine countries no one thinks of. You will become that way. The great land of Egypt. Politically right now, what is it? Nothing other than a location. If it was not for Israel, nobody would give a penny to Egypt. It would be like the Congo or some other country that's miskin. Right? It would be like Peru. The only thing that it has going for it is its geopolitical location, only because America is interested in preserving Israel. If it was not for Israel, no one would give two licks about Egypt, right? 
It would be as poor as Peru and all these other countries mm-hmm. that are mesquite. I mean, it kind of is. It is already as <laughs> as it is, and they're given millions uh, and billions of dollars there. They're the second highest recipient of U.S. aid after Israel. after. So Israel's receiving, then Israel's basically linemen. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, when you have someone running, they have to have a blocker. Yeah, they have to. And it, 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 some of the British people don't know this, but in America, when we have a sport, it's all about running to the other end. So you need blockers, people to block for you, right? Egypt is just a blocker, yeah. blocking ISIS off, right? And blocking different Islamic uh, things, right? Uh, Islamic movements or just general destabilization. Yeah. Right? Uh, Osei says, isn't it possible that shaitan are also contributing to the collective narration? 1,000%. Not possible. It's certain knowledge. Allah says in the Quran, he whispers to them to create fear. What is the goal of shaitan and his whispering? Separation and fear. If you want to know if something has the, the hallmark of Satan on it, of shaitan, is it separating people? And is it scaring people? Right? That is the hallmark of what Iblis wants. Divide and scare. Right? Once you're divided, it's easy to make someone scared. Okay? If you're alone, if you're in a room with, with 10 people and there's a crazy sound outside, right? You're scared, but there's 10 other people in the room. If you're all alone in that same room and someone's banging on the door, you're freaking out at a level way above when you're hanging out with 10 people. So the first thing that Iblis wants to do is separate. Separate everybody. Individualism. He made it look so nice on the outside, but it's so terrible. It's leading to a whole depressed generation. He made separating people, people ran to it, by calling it individual. Fulfill your dream. You're a fool because you don't realize no human being can be happy by himself. Happiness of a human being is living in cohesion with you and, and having a balance between fulfilling my goals and dreams in life, but also having a home to go to that has people that I care for and they care for me. Even if you don't care for them, company is better than being alone. Right? And he's fooled people, all right, by, he fooled people by conflating individ- loneliness with individualism, right? Separation with fulfilling your dreams. And all these people, they separate themselves, okay, to fulfill their dreams, and then they regret having separate, having lost their family or their friends. And then he conflated freedom with enslavement to your desire. This, this is Iblis. The real product is enslavement to desires. Okay? Nobody who is a slave to his desires is ever happy. No matter what his desires are. If you're a slave to it, you can't live without it, you're miserable. Okay? Alright? Question here from Reviving Art. When you divide, how does that work with Medheb and sectarianism? Uh, Medhebs are not divided. Medhebs recognize one another as valid opinions. Medhebs exist within dhanni or speculative texts of the Qur'an. So the Qur'an and the Sunnah, they have explicit texts and they have interpretive texts. Text, one possible meaning. Text, multiple meanings. The Medhebs exist within multiple meanings. No Medheb looks down on another Medheb. Of course, every Medheb thinks their perspective is right. In a, in a way that does not negate that you could be right too. Not only could you be right, but you're definitely valid. Right? Definitely valid. If I was to say, for example, 
Um, it's family night. It's going to be family night, right? Let's say it was family night. In, in our masjid here, we have family night once a month. Family night, we don't know what, what the food is going to be, right? There's going to be dinner. We know that for sure. I'm going to say three of the last times, few times I remember, there was fried chicken. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to say there's going to be fried chicken. What's my basis that we usually have fried chicken? That's the highest percentage of food that we get. Historical data. Salty fried chicken. Salty, very salty fried chicken. Right? You try to make yourself feel good about it by eating the salad with the olives in it. Right? <laughs> Those black olives that nobody, everyone's pushing them to the edge of the plate. But someone else may say, no, we had fried chicken three family nights in a row. So I think we're probably going to have baked ziti. Which is, or, or that chicken with the glaze over it, right? Uh, French, French, French style French chi- chicken cutlet with the glaze yeah. over it. So I have a reason for mine. You have a reason for yours. I disagree, but you're valid. That's, the, that's what a madhab is. Now, what is a sect? A sect differs on a qat'i verse, and they are the victims of Iblis. Qat'i verses, there's no discussion about them. Is there a discussion on 2 plus 2 equals 4? Is discussion on the meaning of qul huwallahu ahad? Is there a discussion on aqimus salat zakah that prayer is fard? There's no discussion on these things. Is there a discussion that Prophet ﷺ said that Allah obligated five prayers a day? There is no discussion. So when a sect comes out and says, no, there's only three prayers a day, yes, that sect has divided itself from the ummah. So there is acceptable difference of opinion and there is unacceptable difference of opinion. And that sect has cut itself off from the rest of the ummah. That's what sectarian... When there is sectarian... Uh, a, a sectarian divide by the definition of the word sect or sectarian the sect that contradicts the qat'i explicit verses they're the ones who are in the wrong they separated themselves from the jama'ah okay? now if both of them go against them there could be two different two opposing sects right and Shi'is and Wahhabis well we have no dog in the fight at that point right so they're both uh, sects <coughs> Okay. Dina Mitchell is asking uh, which madhab do we follow uh, I personally study the Madiki madhab and teach intro to Madiki into the Madiki madhab if someone wants to be a Madiki I'll take you from A to intermediate pass you off to Sheikh Harun okay. uh, we have Hanafi in our, right here while wow, I'm doing what the, all the YouTubers do uh, pointing at that little arc view thing we teach Maliki fiqh Hanafi fiqh Shafi fiqh and Hanbali fiqh that's it to prove to show we, we uh, hold all the madhabs they are valid Differ, disagree or not you can disagree all you want but they are valid meaning the logic behind it and the interpretation stands as it is right it stands and so you can go to arcview.org while we're at it go to arcview.org and sign up for our classes and you can take pre-recorded classes and you could take um, live virtual classes all arcview is all virtual and and the, and the recordings are all there okay if you're a beginner i have um uh my advice to you is to study sheikh murad's aqidah class okay and the aqidah classes are all symbolized on arcview by gemstones you see these gemstones there uh, that is a symbol for that it's aqidah right every subject I try, we try to put together an image 
that your mind can easily recognize what it is. Okay. I started uh, Sheikh Murad Zakhida class. Okay, good. How far did you get? What, what class are you in? Uh, not the live one that he's currently doing, the one that's on Archview. Yes. I did the first lesson. Of course, okay. The the Ashari Akhida, um, what's the... Uh, it's from, from fall, the yeah, fall term. Yeah, exactly. What's the, the name of the... The Hawaii? Yeah, no, not the Hawaii, the the, the, in, the little booklet the, of uh, the where he describes the Akhida from the very beginning. Okay, so that may be Abu Hanifa. The one that I asked you about, yeah. yeah. Fiqh al-Akbar, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Okay, let's take some of these questions. Why don't you wear the Maliki Tahnik Imma? Oh, that, well, if I ever get to Mufti status, then I'll do that. But right now, I am Mu'allim, Mudarris status, teacher status. Teaching you and introducing you to the madhab. We got to convince people why. And I'm telling you, the best way to live your life is to have this is the, in religion, right? This is the madhab. Only if there's a hardship or something, then I'll go for a weaker opinion in the madhab. And rarely, if there's a super hardship, which there are, by the way, vanilla extracts, for example. There's no way we're going to live life every ingredient we see is vanilla extract. So we'll go with the Hanafi Madhab on that. And many things on the Hanafi Madhab. Right? And the Maliki, when he's going to go to something else, he tends to go to the Hanafi Madhab. Can a Somali be a Maliki? Of course, why not? <laughs> yeah. American Muslim org. What Madhab would you say is best for the American lifestyle? Allah Adam, I can't say. But definitely in matters of buying and selling, it's the Hanafi Madhab. Mm-hmm. Matters of buying and selling. In matters of food, it's the Maliki Madhab. Mm-hmm. Not a doubt about that. But that's not the right, the right way to look at it, by the way. It, you might have a perspective. You may have a perspective, right? That we, we should look at the method that suits. But there are too many chapters. And what you're going to end up with, I guarantee you, is that if you look at worships, food, marriage, divorce, buying and selling, all these other things, clothes, relations with women, for example, does touching break wudu or not? If you look, clothes, niqab or no niqab, if you look at these things, I guarantee you, you'll end up with even. They're all will be even. Yeah. One will be extremely difficult in one area for you to do, and one will be easy. But my point is that that shouldn't be our method of choosing. I'm not saying that that's what he's saying, but I'm just saying that's not your method. Your method of choosing should be to look at the usul of that method. But either way, when it comes to a hardship <coughs> that makes life impossible, life is impossible with this, you exit out of it. Right, you, you borrow from another method. And secondly, for example, travelers. Shafi. Shafi and Hanbali. No doubt about it. Right? There is a weaker opinion in the Madiki school. I say weaker because I've heard it from a couple scholars, but many scholars said no, that's not there, there's no basis for it. That you can combine when you arrive at your traveling destination, but the dominant opinion is for in the Madiki school, you can only combine while traveling. And you do not combine your prayers when you arrive at your destination. A Shafi school, not only can you combine, you can combine knowing you're coming back. Right? So I could go to New York right now and drive out, let's say, this requisite number of miles, pray, pray Maghrib and Isha, knowing I'll be back in time for Isha. No problem. They, they combine. So their combina- uh, um, uh their combination uh, rules for travelers is much easier. But again, that's not how we choose a method. 
You choose a method by looking at the imam. You also choose it for practical purposes. If I'm in Istanbul and I'm just starting out and my plan is to live my life in Istanbul, I'm not going to pick the Maliki method. It makes no sense. The whole world around you is Hanafi, right? So I'm pick the Hanafi method. Like some, so, so if it's dominant like that, if I'm like, no, I, were, I live all over the world mm-hmm. or there's no dominant method like in the US, for example, then, then that's not much of a factor. Dina, what about those who don't receive the message of Islam and die as non-Muslims? They go to Jannah. That is ayah is qatai. And any hadith that comes and says that they are tested on the day of judgment, that is a sound hadith, but is ahad. And the ahad does not override the qatai. So the aqidah is they go to Jannah. So what's Yes, the 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 Maturidis. This is a very interesting debate between the two Sunni schools of Ashari and Maturidi Aqidas. The Ashari are Malikis and Shafis. The Maturidis are Hanafis. The Maturidis say the intellect is your messenger. So you put a human out there, and there's no revelation. His intellect alone should tell him. Obviously, he's not going to tell him how to pray. Intellect alone tell you don't worship idols. Worship Allah alone. <coughs> worship one guy. You won't even know Allah's name. This is Maturidi. Maturidi, yeah. Oh, okay. But you, intellect alone is enough for you not to worship idols and to worship one creator. And you won't even know about worship. It's belief. Belief in one creator. Okay? Why do the Ash'ari say no? Ash'ari say no because intellect alone cannot tell you, can tell you that, but it cannot tell you that you're responsible for that right. and that you'll be punished otherwise. Isn't that brilliant? That is brilliant, right? Intellect alone is, yes, it is enough to know idols don't do anything and that we have a creator. But intellect alone does not tell you that you are responsible for this. I might say, okay, yeah, well, all right, well, I move on with life. Why would I move? Am I being threatened by something? Am I being promised anything good? The Asha'ira say, if the threat of punishment is also part of this thing, that you are responsible for this, okay? So, my, my intellect knows that uh, we, could, we could take a lot of examples of this. I'm trying to think of an example of what you know, but you don't do it because you're not responsible. Right? There's a lot of things. I, won't, I know it, but I won't do it because there's no guns in my head. So that's where the Ash'aris say, even with your intellect, you, and, and your intellect is enough to know that the idols are no good, are nothing, and that you do have a creator... There's no gun to my head to take action upon it. So even if I keep worshipping idols after that, I'm not guilty. So in the Ash'ari perspective, Mm -hmm. what constitutes receiving the message of Islam for you to become liable for it? What? Okay, very good. Next question. What, at what degree do I need to have received the message of Islam to become liable? You need to know it's the same thing as what makes me liable if someone tells me the building is on fire, right? Main, namely, somebody needs to simply tell you the identity that you have a creator, his name is Allah. He sent a messenger, his name is Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The book is named the Quran. And if we follow it, we have paradise eternally. If we're not down with it, we go against this, we have hell eternally. That's it. Okay. Right? 
someone comes and tells you, oh, you have a creator named this, that, and the other. Oh, you have, there's a, there's a new boss. There's a new executive in the company. Okay, so what am I supposed to do? I'm all the way at the bottom. There's a new executive in the company. And if you don't show up to his, his, his initiation, you're fired. Oh, okay, then now I have to show up, right? So all I need to know is that, I, that someone needs to tell me the identity of God and his prophet, the name of the God, the prophet, right? The Quran, Islam, somewhere I can research, right? And that you have to do it. There is eternal. What, did the, what was the prophet's first da'wah? He stood up on the hill and he said, I'm warning you of a great punishment coming. Right? He said, if I was to stand here on this mountain, which is a mountain where they used to make announcements in Mecca, and tell you that there is a great army coming behind us here, behind this mountain, would you believe me or not? They said, yes, we believe you. So establishment of trust. He said, I'm telling you that after this life, there is a great punishment. Okay? And you have to avoid that by believing in Allah and His Prophet. So that element is very important. But that's it. And we should also mention that uh, it is better to establish. Now, just because something is the bare minimum doesn't mean it's, it's good. It's the bare minimum. But what's better is to establish long-term trust with the people, goodwill with the people. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, his grandfather was made to be the legend of Quraysh. And his grandfather took the Prophet and sat him down and said in front of everyone, this young man will have a great affair ahead of him to establish that seed of trust. And then the Prophet lives 40 years with the people as an honest man, his only reputation. Is he a khatib? Is he a preacher? Does he give wise counsel? No. No quality that he later has, solely from revelation, did he have except one. What comes out of his mouth is the truth. If you give him something, he'll preserve it for you. That's it. And these are the qualities of a messenger. As-sadiq al-ameen. When he speaks, he's sadiq. If you give him something, he'll keep it for you. Right? He won't steal it. He's sadiq and ameen. So when he speaks, therefore, thereafter, you have no excuse to reject him as a prophet and a messenger. All right, let's take some questions. There are a lot. Anza Jama'a says, Ya Sumaliyin. يا أهل السمال أنتم شافعية أنزا جاميس uh, where is her name and, or his name I don't know if it's a his or her but Anza is saying Somalians Minnesotans are shawafa yes they are their tradition Anza Jama'a Jama'a their uh, tradition is definitely for sure that they are shawafa or shafi'iyya Seeker of knowledge, I have a young baby and do not like to have my atheist sibling around my baby. Is it wrong to keep my sibling away from my baby and not invite him to my home? He's antagonistic to Islam. It is not wrong, but for the sake of da'wah, don't try to make them feel that you're staying away. Right? And if he, unless he's an openly antagonistic and you feel the only way to deal with this person is to draw a line in the sand, that's your decisions. That's your decision. Okay? That is your decision. All right, SN is a Somali and a Madagascar. Now, why do we promote these four methods? Okay, uh, is there any other way to live as Muslim? Show me in history. Uh, am I going to come up here and peddle to my community a way of being a Muslim that has no precedent? Does a doctor come and give you, hey, check out this brand new pill, take it, 
right? We, we don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's good. Take it. Oh, has anyone else taken this pill? No, nobody. Five people across the world have taken the pill. When? Did, did they die? I don't know. They took it 20 minutes ago. They took it two years ago, right? No, we do not peddle to people that a life religion is life-altering, okay? It is your life. It's the most important. It's how you live. It's what you believe. The core of your life is, is this deen, right? That's the core of life. How do, how do, what do I believe about the afterlife? What do I believe about the soul? Uh, where do I go to in my darkest moments? What's going to happen after I die? Where did I come from? How do I marry? All these important things, okay? Are, is, are the teachers and the people on the internet going to sell you something and preach to you something, something that hasn't been tried and tested? Live your life according to the Shafi'i school of, of understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. You will be good to go. Okay? But live your life by it. And learn it from its people. Hanbali, Maliki, and Hanafi. We can show you and point to you entire nations that have been living like this stably and reproducing safely without going astray, without having calamities for centuries. Okay. This is one of the things that just drives me crazy about Marxism. When they came in with communism, they went in, they took over the government of Russia, and they applied it to the whole nation right away. Right? They didn't say, let's take a town and test this out. They applied their belief. And you ask them, hold on, you're going to apply communism. Have you ever applied it before? Have you grown up under communism? No. All the founders, right? They didn't grow up under communism. But they forced a new generation to grow up under communism. When you have no experience what that's like, and you can't ask somebody else, let's say I'm a convert to Islam, I'm going to raise my kids as a Muslim. I don't know, I never, I wasn't, like, Ryan, you were never a Muslim child, right? But you can go and ask. There are other people. You could say, hey, Ismail, when you were a Muslim kid, what's the limits here? What's balanced? What's good? Right? You can see it. The communists came and took it and forced it upon an entire nation. And look at the results. They were rebelling within one generation. And Joseph Stalin had to kill how many people? 30 million people? 25 million people? 40 million people? To shut them up? So within one generation, this thing produced the worst tyranny. Capitalism never killed 40 million people in one generation. Right? This is what they're trying to cure, right? You became worse than the cure. You became... The medicine was worse than the cure. So when we're talking about the dean... Don't ask just for the evidence. Ask, is there anyone in the world ever done this before? Anyone in the world ever live like this before? And follow this fiqh and this aqidah before? Let's see the result. Don't give me, yes, over there there's a little community. No, I want to see centuries. Right? Chocolate Walla, I have noticed some Muslim apologists citing the Hanafi positions in order to give a nuanced view on women's rights in Islam. I don't know much about this, but the um, when you're talking to somebody and they're not really convinced of Islam or they're worried about Islam, you're not, not bound to one madhab. So you may give them the answer that suits them. Okay, So especially someone who's not a student of knowledge, maybe not even Muslim, but thinking about entering Islam... And they have some hang-ups about how they're going to live in the future. Yeah, exactly. Imagine that's go to Maine. 
and sell the Hanafi method to those guys. They'll be out of business. Uh, Alaska, no crab legs? All right, shut down the family business. You know, one, th- one thing I've noticed about this, uh, the using like the madahib for justification. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've noticed a lot of times, uh, not shuyukh, but like in casual conversation mm-hmm. with other Muslims, they tend to conflate um, a historical position yeah. with a madhab's position. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, although the, like the Ottomans, for example, were Hanafi, mostly, um, there may have been times, and they and again, they had a Sheikh al-Islam who advised them and they, they did everything as best as they can to that madhab. There were times that the Ottoman Empire... Um, either an individual ruler or a pasha or something might have done something yeah. as a as a, as a position that was not necessarily the position of a method, right? Like yeah, just something that they did on their own whim. When uh, an individual goes off on his own, right? And so that becomes yeah. written in history as something because the Ottomans also were very meticulous at recording. Yeah, so they is recorded in history, and so somebody in the modern day is looking at it and say, "Well, the Ottoman Empire did this." Yeah, before yeah. it's and let's say, okay, but was that? Was, was Sheikh al-Islam or any yeah. of the other scholars of the Ottoman Empire on board with this or is this mm-hmm. something he did on his own? Exactly. And this, so. I've noticed that a lot of times people actually conflate. They'll say, well, this Muslim empire did this so it's probably okay. Was it okay, but was it approved? Or was it something they did on their own? Yeah, and also... a lot of corrupt leaders in our, you know, over the course of Islamic history that we've had yeah. so many corrupt people that did things on their own. And also, we when we're looking at how to live life, you look at how people lived, mm-hmm. right? There, in general, were there like... Uh, uprisings against this method right but people accepted it yeah uh, they have they have their ups and downs and they have all sorts of issues as every human does but in general they did live upon that method mm-hmm. right and so when i have to make a judgment call within islam what we said the interpretive texts what judgment call am i going to make in my life i'm going to make the judgment call that has been made by someone else and tried and tested right and forget the aberrations like a bell curve right you should have the majority of people living this type of life, and they're ha- they're they're it's surviving. They're benefiting. They're staying on the right path too. Mm-hmm. They're raising their children upon it, and the children are accepting it, right? And they're not rejecting it. Not some aberration. Right. Now, why we mentioned Joseph Stalin and his aberration? Number one, they didn't have the people were upset. It's it's proving that the people hated it. They didn't accept it, so we had to kill them all. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a way of religion that's going to pass on to the next generation with guarantee because, at least in bulk, because we've seen it before. It's happened before. The, the, why are the Hanbalis in smaller in number? Because they're the last of the methods. And most of the governors and the governments had already adopted a school of thought. And as a result, they, were, they tended to be smaller in number. And they only, maybe for a period of time, the Abbasids followed the Hanbali, Hanbali fiqh and then after that they did not rule for a long period of time. Shafi'i also did not rule a lot of countries. Yemen they ruled East, but then when they went to do East Dawah in East Africa, West India and all of Indonesia and Malaysia they ruled. The Hanafis have been ruling for ages and the Madikis have been ruling for ages. When I say ruling meaning there's going to be a lot of precedent in court so their fiqh will be more developed and practical because they've seen the court cases come in and they had to handle court cases mm-hmm. and that trickles down into their law books and their fatawa and so you end up with a very practical method if you never had to rule give anybody a guy who come up with a set of ideas and he never has to can never implement them you may end up with a very unpractical set of ideas 
because you never tried to implement it, right? I've said this many times about the students of knowledge in the past. They go off and they study for 10 years, 15 years, sometimes imagining they're going to come back and revolutionize everything. They come back and they're 10 years behind because what they, they never had the ingredient of practicality in their, in their minds. And it may take them 10 years to catch up. And here's the scary thing. Sometimes they never catch up. Their mind is fixed. The people are bad. Society's bad. And let me just take my books and go home. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas when you hit the ground running, which is why Habib Omar goes out for dawah and he sends people out for dawah while they're students of knowledge to get a taste of practical life. To get a taste that it, if you have this mentality, you cannot preach to the people. If you have this mentality... You can't get along with kids. When you would go on those dawah trips, and inshallah, for those who are going to Tareem, you're going to have these dawah trips. When you have these dawah trips, they sometimes a person speaks, and they spend a weekend in a village, and say, okay, you teach that kid tahara and salah. You teach this group of kids a proper pronunciation of al-fatiha. You get a dose of reality, right? And practicality. That's why these two madhabs, the Hanafi and the Maliki, are, are so developed in that regard, right? Because they ruled. And the Shafi'is ruled, but less... And the Hanabit are ruled, but much, much less. I think it's Walid who started this whole riot. Walid? Who is Walid? He's Salafi Shafi'i. Walid, not our Walid. It is. Uh, Prince of Persia. <laughs> and he calls himself what? Salafi Shafi'i. Why are you calling yourself that? Salafi what? Shafi'i. Why would he call himself that? <laughs> Can he even have those two he together? Says to me, he's like, I started this whole scenario in. Walid, <laughs> Prince of Persia, who has nothing to do with Somalia. <laughs> Are you like a, a troll in our, our live stream here? Super Saiyan? What is a Saiyan? It's like uh, from a TV show, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, uh, Super Saiyan? Yeah. <laughs> the Dragon Ball Z thing. He says, can't you conclude that you have to submit to something solely with your intellect because you do witness orbits, rain cycles, geography, and you feel that everything is in order, the answer may be yes, but there is no expression. Your intellect cannot tell you how to submit, right? Does not tell, and it does not tell me the punishment if I don't submit. That's what intellect doesn't tell you. Intellect does not tell you consequence. the consequence of doing nothing about it. I can know it, but I'm not doing anything about it. Why should I do anything about it? Miss Kalinur, that's true as Somali, we are all Shafi'iyya, and it was good to learn taking from the other madhabs is a form of rahmah. And Ya Ayyuhal Somaliyin, how did you become Shafi'is? Through the Yemenis. Thank the Hadramis, the people of Yemen who are Shawafi'a from ancient times, from right from the get go. They were Shafi'is, they're the ones who brought you to the Shafi'i school, they're the ones who did the dawah to East Africa. Are the Habayib Shafi'is now? Yep, bin Shafi from the get-go, okay. from the founder, okay. Ahmed bin Isa. He came and he found them either upon no madhab or upon no, no ilm, just Muslims, or Shia. And they went and they, they, they jammed them. They, they actually were fought for, for a few generations. Yeah. Why does Sufism has a negative connotation? Where do we start? <laughs> I I have to show you this. <laughs> I have to show you this. 
just to show you that I'm Munsif, right? I'm going to hate on anything that's sort of semi-ridiculous. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Munsif means like you show the evidence for and against. All right, let me pull this up. Brand names, minor shirk. Oh. Brand names will never be shirk. It could be... Uh, well, I mean, what what is it going to say? Kafir Limited or something? <laughs> I don't know if you could all see this, but look at how they're mock. Look at this this meme. This is insane. Can you see this? Definitely like a Sufi. It's a Sufi dance. Uh-huh. The guy's dancing, uh-huh. having a hadra. Oh, and they put this music on top. And they put Michael Jackson over it. Honestly, this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It just, the, the beat is so perfect with the guy. Now, by the way, the maximum you could say about it is it's sort of crazy and sort of silly. There's nothing sinful. Oh, sand in a circle and, and bounce your knees. Are they committing sins? Maximum, it's a bid'ah that is rejected. It's not a bid'ah in aqidah. It doesn't take you out of Ahl Sunnah. Maximum, it's something that you just shake your head. Manik, when they told him people do this, he laughed. Did he say, cut their heads? Got their necks. By the way, he had the power to do that. Madik had executive power in Medina. Madik could jail people. The governor came, bring the case in front of him, and he would say, punish him this way, punish him that way, punish him this way, punish him that way. They'd all do it all in one shot. The governor would bring Madik on a day, and say, he was found guilty of this, punish him this. He was found guilty of that. Listen to this case, he would rule upon it. Okay? And he was strict. His philosophy of law was make the punishment extremely harsh, so as harsh as possible, so there's safety to everyone else. One person suffers, which is his, which is haq, it's not falsehood. He's not making, making him suffer something he didn't deserve. But everyone else will be, will be totally scared. Right? So Sufism will have a bad name because of this. And I'm not afraid to say it, because this is not how we do it. Right? But, I mean, it's hilarious though, you have to admit. The, 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 the beat is, is so perfect. And they also the and this I noticed this even with like um, family members in Egypt and stuff, they they're always presented with the most ex, I don't want to say extreme in the in a negative way, but the most extreme like rituals or with the most extreme examples of of Sufis like the fringe yeah. the fringe of society. Yeah, and that, Sufis that, that like when you look like the average person like I would say for example that I'm you know that yeah. I'm Sufi in a sense, but I don't I would never like for example you yeah. probably never find me in this right so like. And, and I do the same day-to-day things and all that, but nobody looks at the average Sufi as that. They look at the average Sufi as... Of that course, yeah. Issue. So I think when, you, when, you, when people think that this is what's going on mm-hmm. among the mainstream of Sufis, mm-hmm. or if they look at the, um, the, or, the, the orders, the Sufi orders, and how they have these very particular ways of doing things, mm-hmm. then they say, okay, this is, this is beyond... That's what it is. Beyond what I've learned, and this is kind of bizarre, yeah. so therefore it's... And, and, there is an, and there is a point to it, by the way. If a group, if it... If it produces that, there is a loose nut somewhere. If you have a perfect machine, but it's leaking a little bit, right? There's a loose bolt somewhere. There's no problem in saying that many groups over the ages have had a loose bolt. No problem saying it. Um, and also, it's a low-hanging fruit. It's too easy, yeah. right? It's like, if you want to bash a group, they give you too much material, to be honest, Right? They give you so much material to, to bash the group. But here's what I ask you. If you were to take the worst of, uh, uh, of this, right? The worst. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you take the worst of the Wahhabis. Mm-hmm. 
and the worst of the Shias. I would say this is the least, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they go around and they dance and they do things like that. And they go to the graves too much. Uh, worshiping the graves, that doesn't happen, right? But yeah. they go to the graves, they wipe, and they do some crazy things like that. As long as it's not get entering into their aqid. Okay, you could at the worst you could say, this is a bunch of bid'ah. But these are bid'ah in actions, not in aqa'id. If you go to the worst of where, where did the Wahhabi movement lead to, right? You can say something like it led to ISIS. That's their aqidah, right? It, it may lead to that, or it may lead to the opposite of a hakimiya doctrine of a, obeying the ruler. That is to the point of an absurdity, right? Right, and even that, uh, to be honest with you, that's not even so terrible. That hakimiya passiveness. So the ruler, it has a basis. It's not so terrible. It's not the worst thing in the world. Go now to the outside of Ahl Sunnah, completely the Shia. Mm-hmm. And they're striking their backs and whipping themselves. That's too crazy, right? That's way too crazy. Yeah. Right? So when you compare, um, this kind of thing is really, no one's really being harmed by it, except themselves in the sense of their reputation. Yeah. Anyway, all of that talk is just... What we just said is just opinions and views. It's fact. It's not facts. It's just opinions and views uh, about this, and you can differ or, or not. Uh, the whirling dervishes, for example. Yeah, we consider dhikrillah is to be done with waqar. If you want to have a traditional dance for your society to let off steam, is no different to me than a group of guys playing basketball. They want to let off steam and have a traditional folk dance. It can be done uh, and, and we have sharia on that For example, the man can never dance with his waist He dances with his legs mm-hmm. Right? The, with waist down He doesn't shake his waist It's called kasr It's haram Because that is how women dance traditionally So that, that having a traditional dance I don't think anyone has an issue with it The Prophet allowed the Ethiopians to have a traditional mm-hmm. masculine dance for men Right? But to merge it with dhikrillah That is where the debate comes in And what our teachers are upon is that dhikrillah uh, must be done with waqar. That's it. Let's close with Dua uh, An-Nur. And this will be the final stream of the week. We'll see you after this dhikr. We will see you on Monday. Bismillah ta'ala. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma ja'alli nuran fi qalbi wa nuran fi qabri wa nuran fi sam'i wa nuran fi basari ونورا في شعري ونورا في بشري ونورا في لحمي ونورا في دمي ونورا في عظامي ونورا في عصبي ونورا من بين يدي ونورا من خلفي ونورا عن يميني ونورا عن شمالي ونورا من فوقي ونورا من تحتي اللهم زدني نورا وأعطني نورا واجعلي نورا وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وسلم